0: Will you stand with me, please? Romans chapter 2 and verse number 4. If you know Romans chapter 1, it says, you know, people who knew God didn't glorify him as God, neither were they thankful, became vain in their imaginations, on and on and on, who said the invisible things of God from the creation of the world are being clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That's one. When you get into two, he's saying, hey, you be careful who you judge, because when you judge someone else, you're standing in God's place. And uh, there's two seats in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. There's what's known as the mercy seat, and there's the judgment seat. He's not in the judgment seat right now. So um, if you want to sit in the judgment seat, you're going to sit there all by yourself. And uh, it would be far better to sit in the Bible said in Ephesians, we sit with him in heavenly places. So it would be far better to sit with him in a mercy seat than to sit all by yourself in a judgment seat. Okay. And that's the beginning of the first three verses of Romans. And then it says this. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing... That the goodness of God leadeth to repentance. I'll change the words a little bit. I want to talk to you about the goodness of repentance. Amen. Not the goodness of God, but the goodness of repentance. All right? Somewhere in this place, David or Michael and Stacy, Scott are here. Where are you at? <clears throat> and you got, you got the kin with you. Make sure you say hello to these people before they get out of here. God bless you. You may be seated. It's wonderful to see you. You know, Michael, there are people that leave here, and I don't miss them one day. Not one day. just like, But there are people that go that you really, 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 really miss. And uh, your family, you always have a special place in our heart, and I'm grateful. You made some lifelong friends here, and vice versa. You've been a friend to them. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Well, what, you know, we've all heard it, and I dare say we've all repeated it. Um, God is good. God is good. And, uh, but what is, when you use scripture to explain scripture, what is the goodness of God? The goodness of God. So I'll do the, follow the example of Jesus. Jesus said, in the beginning... So um, I want to go back to the beginning. This is the first mention of the word good, one and four. At the conclusion of the first day, God saw the light that it was good. Twice on the third day, he said it was good. He didn't say it on the second day. He said it twice on the third day. I'm sure there's a lesson there, but I didn't have time to sound that one out for you it's uh verse 18 it's the end of the fourth day he said it was good 1 and 21 good and then he does the overview it says in 1 and 31 and god saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good seven times the great creator gave his stamp of approval he said it was good there's only one thing God ever made that he said wasn't good not good for a man to be by himself but um, all this other stuff it was good and um, there is to me a fascinating addendum to this in Exodus 33 chapter 33 and 34 Moses asked the Lord I want to see your glory and uh God said, that's not possible. Um, you, well, you could see it, but you wouldn't um, live to talk about it. It's just, uh, when you put flesh in that kind of undiluted glory, it, it combusts, can't work. And um, it says, there's a fascinating verse in 33. It said that um, God spoke with Moses face to face. As a man speaks unto his friend. And so what's going on here is he said, you can't see me, but you can hear me. And uh, he said, there is a place by me. 33 and 21. Behold, there is a place by me. And the Lord said, I'm going to put a crack in the rock. And when you crawl into that crack, he said in verse 19, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Amazing things have happened to people through the word when they were hid in a rock. Um, I don't know when it was. It's been several months ago. I tried to explain to you that the name of the Lord is not just the name of a person. It's the name of a place. Bible said, "The name of the Lord is a strong tower; you can run into it and be safe." And so, you have David, who hid in the cave at Adullam; Elijah, Kings nineteen, in the cave at Horeb. Um, there's the verse in Hebrews 11, 38, that says, um, "Of whom the world was not worthy." They wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. A lot of people hid in rocks. And it was while hidden in the rock that Moses saw the goodness of God. We all agree Moses is the author of the first five books of the Bible. And when you realize that man was created on the sixth day, the question is then just as obvious as the answer. How in the world can we possibly know what happened on day one, two, three, four, and five if there wasn't anybody there to see it? The only possible answer is by revelation. I am convinced that the creation record was given to Moses While he was safely hiding in the rock and God let all of his goodness pass before him because in its truest form, in its truest scriptural form, the goodness of God is his creative power. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made out of things, which do appear. Psalm said, He spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. So, using that little bit of information, listen to this verse Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. David said God's goodness was following him. That's why this next verse becomes very important. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. I always thought that was backwards. I thought you ought to walk and then run and then fly, but it's not what it says. When you first start serving God, you're flying, but things will slow down and ultimately The Bible talks about your walk with him, your walk with him. I think one of the lessons the Lord and his word are trying to show us is we need to learn to slow down and let his goodness catch up with us. You don't want his goodness just in your rear view. You don't want it following you all your days. I thought as I got older, my life would slow down. Boy, was that a lie. I'm running faster now than I've ever in my life. But there are times you purposely have to just stop. Stop. And let the goodness of God catch up with you. And create in your life those things that we all so desperately need from time to time. Repent, it says in Acts 3. And be converted. That your sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshing would come from the presence of the Lord. My lesson is very simple today. It's good to repent. It's good to repent. When you repent, there is a, God forgives you. Now, it's why I, Stayed with the King James Bible for so long. I use NIV, you know, many times you'll see that. And I use the message and Amplified. But I always use them as supporting text. And one of my gripes against some of the newer translations is they, they get too too free with the word about uh, forgiveness. And, and it, it gets, you, know, you deal with the Bible, it says it's for the remission of sins. Not the forgiveness of sins, but all these new translations call the forgiveness. My my wife's family were raised in Boston. Two brothers, Bob and Paul Cook. One was eight, the other was nine. When they um, were kids, they were walking by the railroad track. And Bob, the older of the two, threw a switch that made the tracks. Well, at that time, they had people that would walk by the tracks to check this stuff. And fortunately, he noticed it was wrong. And he threw the switch back and averted a real catastrophe um, to keep one train from hitting another. But there was a fresh snow about two inches, and the little footprints were in the snow. So he tracked the boys to the preacher's house. It was a big scandal. They arrested Bob when he was nine. So, dad comes home and big scandal. Preacher's kid has been arrested. He was nine. Nine years later, Bob went to join the military. Can't join. He's got a police record. Now, the city had forgiven him, but the record was still intact. When you repent, God forgives you, but you must be baptized in the name of the Lord, and that wipes away the record. Okay. But that repentance is a big, it's a big deal. And listen, to this verse, for years, this verse has stunned me. This is 2 Samuel 12 and verse 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin and you won't die. Here's the setting. David has a pal by by the name of Uriah. He's got a wife by the name of Bathsheba. It says in a time when kings went to war, David stayed home. So there's the first mistake. He should have been in the battle. He saw his neighbor's wife taking a bath and one thing led to another. She's carrying David's baby. Said this was his best friend, but I don't know how you do this to your best friend. He saw to it that his best friend was killed in battle to cover up his sin. So now he's got his best friend's wife pregnant with his child. Child is born. Bad, 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 bad things happen. But a preacher by the name of Nathan had the courage to confront a king, and he told him a story. He said there was a rich man had all kinds of sheep. There was a poor man only had one sheep. A visitor came to the rich man. He crossed the fence, stole his poor neighbor's one lamb, fed it to his visitor. And the next day, rich guy still got everything he had. Poor guy's got nothing. You have to go to probably Exodus 22 to understand this. In Exodus 22, there's what is known as the law of restitution. Israel was, they were, they're farmers. It's an agricultural community. So if you stole a, an oxen, An oxen was kind of like a John Deere tractor. If you stole an oxen, you couldn't just give an oxen back. You had to give five of them back. But it says if you stole a sheep, you had to give four sheep back for the one that you stole. When David hears about this rich guy that stole his neighbor's sheep, this is what he said. Tell me who it is. I'll make him pay back four times. And I don't have time to give you the details, but if you study... The life of David, trust me, in four specific occasions, he had to pay for his sin. All of a sudden, the preacher looks at David and said, you're the rich guy. You had everything and you took your neighbor's wife. That took a lot of courage to confront that king. This was David's response. I've sinned against the Lord. And this was the preacher's response. The Lord has put away thy sin and you won't die. So how long does it take to repent? David did it in one verse. One verse. Now I've been in churches where you got to come to the altar again again and again and again and again and again and again. We call it tarrying. We use that word, Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued with power from on high. The word tarry just means wait. But once the Holy Ghost was poured out, that's why when you read later in the book of Acts, this is what the preacher said. Why tarry now? Arise, wash away thy sins. Calling We don't have to tarry now. You don't have to come to the altar again. It's a, it's a change of heart. It can happen like that. Boom. David could repent in one verse. You could repent right now while I'm teaching you. It's a change of heart. And, it, and it's just when you repent, God forgives you. The Bible said if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. It's good to repent. I'll tell you another thing that repentance does. It keeps you humble. I was not kind to my wife on the way to church this morning. And um, Sunday morning, when I, I get up about six, and I have one thing on my mind, this, that, that's it. It's just tunnel vision. And so I had Ashley barking at me about something and Renee was complaining about tools that I had left in the garage. And I let her know, I'm on my way to church. I don't care about tools. I got one thing that I'm supposed to do today. Don't bug me with this stuff this morning. Well, (laughs) I don't know what happens to you when you mess up. When I mess up, I have this guy with this little red flag inside of me going, hey, fix it. Years ago, I got mad Uh, We were living, whatever, down on Orion. I don't, I forget what I got mad about. I got so mad, I kicked the door off the hinges. I came, we were building the building. I came to do the work of God. So I was over here working on God's house. And the whole time I was working on God's house, the guy with the little red flags going, You got to go back home. So I did. I went back home. When I got, there was two doors. I didn't kick, I kicked the screen door off. I didn't kick the main door off. I knew someone was there. And I pulled the door back. And Brittany, she was, I don't know, three maybe. She was cowering in fear behind the door. Terrified of her dad. Because she saw me kick the door off. I said, go get your mother. And, uh. So I knelt down in front of my daughter and my wife and I, I told my daughter, I said, I'm sorry that I acted that way and I want you and mommy to forgive me because I, what I did was not appropriate. I'll never forget her. She was really small. She ran in to my mom and dad and she said, it's okay, daddy consessed. <laughs> Uh, when you study the abominations in Proverbs 6, there are seven abominations in Proverbs 6. The word abomination means I always hated it. I'm not going to change my mind. I'm, I'm always going to hate this. But at the top of the list, ladies and gentlemen, is a proud look. A proud look. I'll say this to you again. My job is to stay humble. His job is to promote me. When you get the roles reversed, the Lord says, you know, when you start promoting yourself, the Lord says, okay, if you're going to do my job, I'll do yours. Trust me, when God humbles you, he's really effective. Bible said you fall on him, you get broken. He falls on you, really bad day. And uh, I always wonder, here's this verse. This is James 4, verse 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. Let me teach you two things. I get very frustrated in this whatever, quasi-Pentecostal environment, when I hear people talk about grace, you'll hear a lot of people pray, thank you for your mercy and grace. Let me explain something to you. Grace is not mercy. It's not the same thing. I'll prove it to you. In Titus, there's a verse that says this. The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching them, to deny ungodliness and to live soberly and righteously in this wicked world. i tell you what grace is. Grace is a teacher. Grace is the power to do what God wants you to do. He wants you to live holy, but you can't do that without his help. He wants us to have a revival in a church and a harvest of the lost, but you can't do that without his help. My father-in-law taught me something years ago in Atlanta, and I'm sure I've said it to you, but there are new people, I'm sure, here that have it, so they need to hear this. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments are given to us in the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus. But in the 39th chapter of Genesis, several hundred years before Moses ever gave us the commandments, Joseph is in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's old lady tries to seduce him. And Joseph said this, I can't do this sin against my God. And you go, wait a minute, Joe. There's no rule against adultery yet. You've still got 400 years. You can commit adultery. It's not a sin because there's no commandment against it. Wrong. How was Joseph able to resist the advances of Potiphar's wife? Grace. Grace appeared to him and taught him to deny ungodliness in a wicked place. I've heard people say, well, we're in the dispensation of grace, and that starts with Calvary. Oh, really? Let me quote a verse to you. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord long time before calvary see ten commandments those are laws of life every culture there has ever been knows you don't steal somebody else's wife you don't steal you don't commit murder those are just hardwired into us and 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 you know this is the book of James god resists the proud it's it's like it's like going up to Albert Einstein and saying, I bet you don't know what two plus two is. Or going up to Michelangelo and drawing some stick figure and saying, bet you can't do that. That's how dumb it is to be proud in the presence of the Lord. He doesn't just have knowledge. He is knowledge. He doesn't just have life. He is. He's the well. You get it? He's the vault. He's the source. He, he, he's. And And so. Book of James. Let me, let me go get your mask and fins on here. Go deep with you for a while. Jesus looks at Simon Peter one time and he says, you're never going to be known as Simon again. From this day forward, you're going to be known as Cephas, a stone. And that's what they called him until you get to Acts 15. Acts 15 is years after Jesus, at least 10 years and probably more after Jesus left. Acts 15 is the first fight in the New Testament church and it's over racism. Surprise, surprise. Jews are ticked off, man, because them Gentiles are in their pew or parking in their parking spot. And they say, okay, you can join our church, but you got to be circumcised and you can't eat Pigs and you can't eat shrimp. You got that? <laughs> I'm 66, okay? That's a deal breaker for me. I'm not doing that. And it's not just about the cold cuts and the shrimp.
1: <laughs>
0: You'll get it with time. Do you know that the first letter, the first epistle that was written to the New Testament church was the book of James? You've got to study Matthew 13, it's like 54 and 55. Is not this his mother, and are not these his brothers? James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. James, in Acts 15, is the bishop or the senior pastor of the church in Jerusalem. He's the half brother of Jesus. James wrote the first letter. To the New Testament church. But the Lord just, the Lord gave him the information. In other words, he's just taking dictation. He, he is not permitted to write whatever he wants. God causes him to write a book, five chapters about the, uh, the power of the tongue and speech. Because when you study Acts 15, Peter stands up and he says, okay, I guess I'm the culprit. I, I, I went to Cornelius's house. I was the guy that opened up the doors to these Gentiles. And then it says this in Acts 15. And after they had held their peace, James answered and said, men and brethren, Simon hath declared how God hath the first to visit the Gentiles, to take out of them a people for his name. Why'd you say that, James? Why'd you have to use that word? No one has called him that for almost 15 years. But James couldn't help himself. Simon says, Simon says. And if you study the book of Acts, Peter disappears after Acts 15. You don't hear about him anymore. I'm wondering if the Lord. Didn't cause James to write a book about the power of the tongue because he quite possibly silenced one of the greatest apostles in the New Testament because he kept bringing up his forgiven past. He wouldn't let it go. It's just a thought. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it's good to be humbled. Because God resists proud people. But if you're humble, He'll say, Come on, get close to me. I want to be as close to Him as I can possibly get. I'm not going to do that being arrogant. I'm not going to do that being proud. It's good to repent. Repentance drives Satan away. Listen to the very next verse. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Amen. Droll nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. You're double-minded. That's repentance. Amen. You know, I, I, I've, I've taught people this for years. Satan can't read your mind. Right. If he could read your mind, he's God. But he can see what you do. And he can hear what you say. So you got to learn to trick him. I'll give you a verse. Therefore, with joy shall you draw, not drink. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the well of salvation. And in that day say, praise the Lord. That's why I've taught you, don't come to prayer meeting and just get down on your knees and let prayer be nothing more than worrying on your knees. I've seen for you people just come in, plop it. He's dead now, so I can tell this story. My wife and I were in a church in somewhere between the North Pole and South Pole years ago. They would have a prayer meeting before service. The pastor would come, he would take off his shoes, put his shoes carefully to the side, on holy ground now. Took off his tie carefully, folded his tie, took off his jacket, made sure no wrinkles. And then he would lay face down the floor and this is how it would begin. Oh! So, guess what? Church came, they took off their shoes. They laid on the floor. Oh, God. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I just said, get up! And they were like, why? This is, too many people go, our father would turn the head on a name, blah, 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 blah. blah, blah. What you have to understand is the Lord's prayer is not something to be memorized. It's six boxes that you need to check every time you pray. That if all you do when you pray is come in here and just kneel down and say, God, there's still sex stuff about me. And Satan's going, it's working. Keep doing that one. You got to resist him. And the best way to resist him is through worship and Repentance. It drives Satan away. If you're not careful, you're going to spill the beans. If all you do is just just talk about everything, somebody you, how do you start prayer? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Begin your prayer with praise and worship. And then what do you follow with? Forgive us. Then you can get into repentance. Then you can start asking for daily bread. Then you can ask for that stuff in front of the... But you get it? And you end your prayer the same way you started. For thine is the kingdom. And the power and the glory. Don't just... Don't just memorize something. That's, check the boxes. Start your prayer with magnifying him. End your prayer with magnifying him. Because if you'll do that... Satan is on the edge of the conversation, straining to hear. He doesn't know. <clears throat> you gotta fool him. You gotta fool him. And, and it's just, listen, it's, I've heard people say, resist the devil and it'll flee. That's it. submit and then resist. <laughs> it's just, I can't tell you how many people tell me, I'm hearing bad voices, Pastor. Let me tell you how you fix that. Repent. If you repent, it'll shut that voice off. It'll stop that bum from speaking into your spirit because Satan is close to those who do what he does and because when he comes, Bible said he's got three, three, he's going to, first he's going to steal something, then he's going to kill it, then he's going to dismember it. Now that's not the end of the story because if you read the Bible, it says, if a, if a a shepherd just finds a piece of an ear or a tail you ever heard this and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together I'm not talking about any king here I'm talking about the king of kings He, he can put you back together again just gotta have something left it might just be an ear or a tail but he can put you back together again but it doesn't have to be that way the enemy doesn't shouldn't be able to burglarize your life at will and just come in. I'm going to tell you why that happens. See, see, the church is a body. The church is a building. The Bible said we are fitly framed together. The Bible talks about the what's every joint on and on. We're not talking marijuana here, okay? I'm telling you, behind that wall, there's a bunch of bricks, a bunch of bricks cemented, glued together. If all the church is, is a pile of rocks, then you're going to need guard dogs and guns and lights because the enemy, at his, at his, the Bible said he can take some of you at his will because he can just walk in knowing you're not a part of the body. But if you're a part of the body, he's going to have to attack the brick beneath you, the prick on this side, that side, and the brick above you. You're a part of something. It's important to be a part of the body of Christ and not just an occasional person that shows up. I appreciate everybody that comes. And I'm telling you to your kisser right now, for God's, if you don't trust me, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, but for God's sakes, go somewhere where you do trust the leadership. Don't go to a church where you don't trust the preacher. Don't call him pastor and then do anything you want. If you're going to call me pastor, you're trusting me with the bluest of the blue chips. You're trusting me with your eternal soul. Don't make that decision lightly. God gave you
2: a brain, use it. If you think I'm a liar, get out of here and go find somebody that's telling you the truth. Don't go to a tree. You'll lose your kids. That's
0: right. And you'll be damned and doomed. Just listen. Repentance drives Satan away. I'll tell you something else why it's good to repent. It will deliver you from the torment of sin. Listen to this verse. Therefore, let us come boldly under the throne of grace that we obtain mercy and find grace in time to help in time of need. Don't you get it? That's the one time when we don't want to come, when we screw something up. It's not talking about arrogant.
2: I'm not talking about proud. I'm talking about confidence in him. Come boldly, not in me. I'm a mess, but I know that the God that I'm coming humbly in front of right now will hear me.
0: And don't you? What, what would it like to be Satan? Okay, I'll pray here tomorrow night. I prayed this morning. I've already apologized to my wife. Fell on my sword. I needed to. I'm not saying, that, but but I'll come tomorrow night and I'll repent tomorrow
2: night. Satan's going. Hey, what gives? I messed up one time and you boot me out. Harold's messed up thousands of
0: times and you keep forgiving him. The answer's obvious. Find me one place where Satan has ever tried to repent. Find me one place where he ever humbled himself. you are talking about arrogance and pride. He's the poster child for that attitude. But if you'll be humble and live, live a life of repentance
2: and submission... You're never going to have authority over something until you voluntarily submit to authority.
0: That's the thing. The thing works. And I'll tell you the last thing. Repentance leads to life. Listen to this verse. Joseph rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them and the Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. There's a map going to be behind me. I want you to look at this map behind me and I want you to realize something. Here's Joppa, that's where he got on the boat. He's supposed to go to Nineveh, that's 550 miles. He gets on a boat gone to Tarshish, 2,500 miles the other way. And ain't that just what's, you ever read that scripture? The way of a transgressor is hard. Would you rather go 2,500 miles in the wrong way or 500 miles in the right way? It ought to be hard to go to hell, not to heaven. Serving the Lord
2: ain't supposed to be hard. I can't do this. I can't do that. Really? What's your lungs worth? What's your liver worth? You understand? Oh, I quit smoking. Boy, that's a big sacrifice, isn't it? You know, I don't drink alcohol anymore. I don't. Well, you don't have cirrhosis of the liver. Well, I, I made a big. I've ripped it. Oh, I gave up so much. I, I hitched my wagon to a star when I found the Lord. I gave up nothing. Ah, <laughs> oh,
0: so what do we ask? Come to church. The ten percent tax. Okay. Live a life modestly, so you least shine out and can be a witness. But light ain't free. Well, it's pretty cheap right now. So for 550 the damn Kroger's with a coupon. Okay, pots coming down cuz we got them stupid dispensaries on every corner around here. You know as well as I do. You don't go to hell for free. Valerie Woodworth wrote me a letter years ago. The first year after she got in church, she said, here's our expenses before we got in church. So much for Jeff's coke habit. So much for the pot I needed to be able to handle him when he came home. You know, here's our bad debts. Here are problems with the IRS. Here's the alimony payments. She said, here's our tithes. She said, you were right, pastor. It's cheaper to go to heaven. Do the math. Do the math listen to me there is a heaven and there is a hell but if there wasn't a heaven
2: and if there wasn't a hell it's still a better way to live ah, Jesus.
0: <laughs> look at this now I know they didn't get to Tarshish I don't know how far they went I don't know but they've been on that boat for a while The storm comes. They throw him out. A whale swallows him. I've never, I always wanted to see a whale shark. I never saw one. I've been around sharks hundreds of times, but I've never been around a whale. So you tell me what you're going to do if you get swallowed by a whale. I know what I'm going to do. Jesus. (laughs) Help me. so I do the math I started studying whales while I was gone I found out that a blue whale swims 20 miles an hour for 72 hours because the Bible said he was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale that's 1440 miles do you get what I'm saying he goes the wrong way but he begins to repent 550 miles from Joppa to Nineveh. That's a three-week journey. I don't know how long it would have been the other way. God puts him in a whale who shuttles him from the Mediterranean all the way back to Nineveh. And when that whale burped him out, I promise you, you know what his message was? Repair it!
2: Repair it! Why? Because I... (laughs) Say what you want. I think he died. I really do. Bible said as Jonah was three days
0: and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I really believe he died and God resurrected him. All I know is this Nineveh served a God that had the bottom of a fish and the top of a man. And when that fish burps that sucker out on the on the surf and the beach, guess what they do? Repair it. They even chained up the animals and wouldn't let the animals eat. Did you ever read the end of Jonah? Did you ever read Jonah chapter four? He's underneath this tree
2: feeling sorry for himself. Bible said God sent a worm tree died. (laughs) And this is what it says. He's depressed. Why? Because if you read Jonah four, he said, I knew, I knew if I preach repentance, you was going to forgive him. I knew you were going to do it. These rotten bums don't deserve to be forgiven. I knew if I repented, if I preach repentance, you, you would forgive them. Did you ever hear
0: Paul Harvey? He used to have the rest of the story. You know why I know this is the rest of the story? Because Jonah obviously didn't end his ministry under that tree. He obviously got out of that tree to write the rest of the book. Wouldn't it be better to repent? and let God take us to where we're supposed to minister instead of running the wrong way and going through, I'm telling you, repentance brought life into that guy and life into that entire city. You have no idea who you're going to affect when you repent. You have no idea the people that people are going to look at you, I think, that, I think, he, I think the guy got, got the real Holy Ghost. I think he got the real deal this time. I've heard people, you know, Jesus said, except you repent, you're going to perish, which means if you do repent, you're going to live. And I'll close with it. I'm I'm convinced repentance, true repentance, enables you to see things God's way. Too many people use a cop-out to justify their low octane lifestyles. In Isaiah 55, As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your... My thoughts aren't your thoughts and my ways aren't your ways. Why even try? Listen to what it says in Philippians 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of a servant, humbled himself. And because he humbled himself... He's been given a name which is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Praise he's Lord. My mother's right there. She's dead now. And if I offend a family member, I don't mean to offend it. You watch. But I went to a church with a lady named Sister Durbin. And every time we had testimony service. Sister Durbin would say this, I hath not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts what God has prepared for us. Saints, pray that I'll have one star in my crown. She was a fine woman, but she was sincerely wrong. Because if you read the Bible, this is what it says, I hath not seen, Neither has he heard. Neither has it entered in the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. So don't you buy into that foolishness that says, I'll never be able to see it his way. I'll never, no, 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 no. You can have the mind of Christ. Yes. You can see it the same way that he sees it. Yes, it I'm done. Stand with me. Ladies and gentlemen, Noah did not come preaching. There's a blessing coming your way. Amos didn't preach. If you confess it, you can possess. Just blab it and grab it. Jeremiah did not preach. I'm okay, you're okay. Daniel didn't preach, possibility thinking moves mountains. John the Baptist did not preach smile, Jesus loves you. They all had one message: repent. Because if you repent, there is a blessing coming your way. If you repent, mountains will be moved. If you repent, you will have the favor of God on your life. And when you repent, angels repent. Want to embarrass you, just come. If you can come, if you have to sit where you are, I understand it. Then just sit, but please don't just sit and watch. Please sit and pray with us right now. First of all, we're gonna pray for ourselves, and then we're gonna pray for somebody else. Right now, we're gonna pray for you and me. If you ever get anointed, get anointed now, Lord. I can't do this by myself. (laughs) I've tried. I really have. And all it did was make a mess of things. Your word says not by my power, not by my might, but by your presence, by your spirit. And I'm grateful I'm still breathing right now. I'm grateful I I got a chance, a, a season to repent. There were times you winked at things, but winking days are over. You're commanding everybody everywhere to repent. Dear God, how in the world can we possibly call ourselves your child and your bride and your church if we don't understand the message begins with
2: death, burial, and resurrection? So we come here tonight to repent around this altar. To my knowledge, Lord, I don't have aught in my heart with anybody. But your word says I don't even know my own heart. Your word said my heart is wicked above all things. However, your word also says that my spirit is your candle. So I'm asking you, God, to take the candle of my spirit and walk through the halls and the and the shadows of my spirit, my heart, right now, God. And I'm and if there's stuff in there that shouldn't be in there, I want you to bring it to my mind right now. I want you to bring it to the forefront of my. If there's if there's a man that I owe money to, then I'm gonna get him the money. If I've stolen money from you and been cheap, you bless me and I refuse to tithe, I repent, I'll make it up, Lord. If I've got art with some woman, Lord, if I've got just jealousy in my heart or bitterness, dear God, I don't want that in my heart. I don't want that in my heart. I'm asking you, God, dear Jesus, please be merciful to me right now and merciful to this congregation. Oh, Jesus, how in the world could we ever expect you to give us your favor if the temple is filthy, if the temple's dirty. Your word says you will not live in an unclean house. And I'm asking you, Lord, right now, I don't want to just sweep it and clean it and paint it and then not allow you to live there. This is not a Sunday thing with me. This is a lifestyle change. I want you in my life every day. I want you at the forefront of every dream, every desire, every fear, every hope, every ambition. I put it on this altar here today, Lord. And I ask you humbly, God, speak to my spirit right now. If there's something in there that shouldn't be in there, oh God. I don't want that lurking in my heart right now. Jesus, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for words that have come out of my mouth that are so far beneath the dignity of someone who would dare call themselves a child of God. Cursing doesn't ever belong in our vocabulary, Lord. I'm asking you God I've listened to things that I should have never listened to I've allowed and just sat there as a as a quiet audience Lord and allowed things to just filter through my ears and into my heart and I, I don't want that stuff in my heart I don't want that in there I want to have a clean heart you said that the meditations of my heart words in my mouth be acceptable in thy sight I ask you Lord today I ask you Lord today help me hallelujah hallelujah Lord if there's a family
0: in trouble in this, in this building right now wife at ought with her husband husband ought with her wife I, I don't know oh God oh God I got children mad at their parents I ask you God right now let the daddy be the priest of the house let him take his rightful role as the priest of that home amen and to be an example it's not a right. It's a responsibility. I'm asking you, Lord. I'm asking you, God, help us. My heart is very heavy right now because I have a friend who doesn't live here, but he's about to get a divorce. And I feel so helpless. I'm going to pray for him. You pray for somebody else right now, will you? Let's not just pray and pray. Let's pray for somebody.
2: Lord, I got a friend and you know who it is. And he's in the dawn of his life. He's in the trial of his life. Oh, Jesus. What good is he going to do? It's just going to create an entire plethora of problems. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Would you spare that home? Would you spare that family? Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Can you. I don't know if they're repenting. I'll repent for them. They let a man down through a roof and your word said, and when you saw their faith, you didn't see faith on the man in the bed. You saw faith on the faces of the people lowering. So if I got to lower somebody else in your presence, I'm fine with that. But I, I want you to see faith in my prayer right now. And, and Oh, Jesus. I don't want those kids to decide what weekend they're going to spend with mommy and daddy. Oh, Jesus, I'm asking you right now. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, I pray for this this city you've called us to. I thank you for faithful people in this church. I really do, Lord. These are committed people. These are not thieves. These are not stingy people. Your word said that I can give an account with joy, and I can give an account with joy of this church. I'm so proud of them, and I love them, and I'm grateful, God, for what we've done. But I ask you, Lord, again, I want a global footprint. I, I don't want it just a mark in Sterling Heights or in Michigan. I, I want something around the world. I want the effect of this church to be felt around the world. I'm asking you, God, to guide us and direct us and to give us understanding, Lord. We can't do this alone. We're asking for something that's bigger than we are. Something this is a God thing. You said that you can do exceedingly above everything that I ask or think. So I'm asking you for the good stuff, but I believe you can give me some better than that. I'm thinking great thoughts, but I believe you can exceed my thoughts, Lord. I'm asking you right now in Jesus' name.
1: In Jesus' name. <laughs> Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Oh, yeah. oh.